once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 187 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast. Recorded Friday, August 22nd, 2014, and available for download or streaming on Monday, August 25th, 2014 at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Jace. I'm Cookie. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Kapla. So what do we have in store this week, Cookie? This week in STO News, Delta Rising blogs cover two more Delta Quadrant races, plus the increased level cap taking us to 60, not to mention the return of the crystalline catastrophe, plus a glimpse at some new character head and body options coming soon. Our community spotlight this week features an interview with Ashley Robinson, creator and star of a new Star Trek web comedy series called Red Shirt Diaries, coming soon to a YouTube near, well you. We also have a different twist for you this week in command school as Professor's Apprentice Cookie Cupcakes teaches you all you need to know about defeating the crystalline entity. Later, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. And don't forget that PriorityOnePodcast.com is more than just a podcast. Check out our blogs and much more only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. A very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so on a regular basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. Just a reminder to our Indiegogo backers, keep an eye on your email so that if we have any questions, we can easily contact you. Please add at PriorityOneNetwork.com and at PriorityOnePodcast.com to your safe senders list to avoid it dumping into spam. Well, Captains, let's find out what happened this week in Stow News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. We have several items for you this week in Star Trek Online news. First up is an update to the intelligence briefing that we received last week. Brought to you by Cookie. This week, the intelligence briefing is brought to us by Federation Commander Burgess, previously encountered in the Gorn Advance and Doomsday Machine missions. We've now unlocked up to the lieutenant level, giving us access to information on two more species in the Delta Quadrant, the Benthans and the Hazari. Little is known about either of these species, but it appears as though the Benthans are highly guarded and the rule of the law is of very high importance. The Hazari are a fierce race, but are true to their word. If you make a deal with them, you know they will follow through, but they may break rules in order to fulfill their obligations. I thought these were kind of interesting because they're almost like two sides of the same coin. Like they both have sort of a rigorous approach. And it gives a little hint at the fact that us going out to the Delta Quadrant 
we're such total outsiders and we could be seen as a disruptive force. The Benthans might see us as interlopers. Anybody out there that we tick off might hire the Hizari to go against us. These are both races that could be seen as kind of neutral in a way. They wouldn't really be aligned against us per se, but we could end up in an antagonistic role with them. I'm not familiar with either of those episodes, so that's something I'm going to want to watch. The Benthans were a race that were impersonated by or taken over by the person Steth that Tom Paris became friends with and helped fix his ship uh, in the Voyager episode vis-a-vis. And the Hazari, I remember them. They were awesome. Uh, the Hazari were the species that were hired by the think tank by Jason Alexander, whose character name I can't remember. But uh, the think tank was was that group of people in the very special ship, and and they uh, hired the Hazari to try to trap Voyager in the hopes that Seven of Nine would join their crew. And the episode title of that was, I think, just Think Tank. I think that was the episode name. Yep, that's right. The thing that, that's interesting to me is I, I know that they said the Delta Quadrant expansion was supposed to be a lot more of the Delta Quadrant than what Voyager encountered, but so far it's looking like it's going to be a lot of the, you know, a majority of the same stuff we saw in Voyager. Uh, but I think the Hazari and the Benthans are nice because you only saw them each in one episode, and there's a lot of room where they can create their own lore behind it and you know expand. There's, there's a lot of room to grow on these species. I think they both have very neat-looking, unique ships too, I have to say. Mm-hmm. I want the think tank ship. I'll have to look at that one. So we received a dev blog from Al Captain Gecko Rivera on the subject, and it was also brought up in the Tribble patch notes as Tribble is live for subscribers and lifetime members right now with the lifted level cap. So with the ability in Delta rising to level up once again, this time from Vice Admiral 50 all the way up to Fleet Admiral 60, come some changes. First off, we'll begin gaining skill points again towards these new levels and, on leveling up, be spending them not in the existing skill trees, but rather by earning points to spend in the new specialization trees. Now, we don't know much about these new trees yet, but we do know that we will be able to continue to earn skill points towards them indefinitely, even after reaching level 60. So, given enough time, we'll eventually be able to max out the new trees according to this blog. Some may wonder what this means for expertise, as previously, on reaching max level, all of the skill points you would have earned were instead converted into bonus expertise. Fortunately, this slowdown in expertise gain at 60th has been anticipated, and the blog states that additional expertise rewards will be added at the new max level to keep expertise rates in line, because that's what we use to level up our bridge officer powers, that's what we use for reputation projects, and I expect there'll be new things to use expertise for. Uh, Also, we use them for projects on our fleet holdings. But finally, what do we gain from leveling up? Well, we got a peek at some of these rewards in the blog, including upgrades to three of our captain powers, a duty officer pack, and a bridge officer candidate, plus a bonus trait slot for captain traits. Like I said, it's currently live on Tribble. It's accessible to gold members of Star Trek Online, meaning subscribers and lifetimers. And that brings us to this week's community question. Now that it's possible to level up the 60 on Tribble, who has been able to check it out and what are your thoughts? Also, if you do get into Tribble, check out the new body and head customization option sliders that should now be live there. Cryptic Joe Jing teased us with some images this week on the forums, which we'll include in the show notes. This month's screenshot contest will run until September 15th, 
and the theme is on screen. This is a fun idea. You're supposed to submit a screenshot of your crew aboard your bridge as they're reacting to something on the main view screen. It's up to you to convey what that something might be. You can also use photo editing software to manipulate the image on the main view screen. There's a lot you can do with this challenge and I'm actually going to keep my eye on this because I'm curious to see what people are going to come up with. Winners get Zen, so it's a fun and creative way to earn more of that. The rules and instructions are on the forum post, and the link will be in the show notes. Oh, people are going to come up with some really funny ones for this one. It's going to be good. I didn't realize that was what the theme was. I hadn't looked at it yet. Man, there's going to be all kinds kind of, of makes like, you want to do it, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm not good you with should. photo manipulation, though. I mean, I, I can compose a screenshot, but... Man, there's going to be all kinds of like memes and cats and all kinds of crazy stuff on <laughs> that people's Miley Cyrus screens. thing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. No. This week also brings us the return of the Crystalline Entity event with both challenges and rewards beyond the norm for this 10-man queued PVE event. We'll come back to the Crystalline Entity in this week's special episode of Command School, but in the meantime, we have a subspace uplink coming in to our remote correspondent Elijah. Let's join him now for our community spotlight on the upcoming Red Shirt Diaries. Today we are joined by Ashley Robinson, the star of the up-and-coming web series, The Red Shirt Diaries. Ashley, welcome to Priority One Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've been a listener for quite a while now, so this is really exciting for me. That's super cool. (laughs) So tell us all about Red Shirt Diaries. First, why don't you share the concept with us? What's it about? Cool. So the Red Shirt Diaries is a 10-part miniseries web series that is hosted on theredshirtdiaries.com and youtube.com slash Jawin. And what it is is I've never seen uh, Star Trek, the original series, all the way through in order. I've always wanted to go back and do that. So... While I'm watching it in the in the Red Shirt Diaries, I'm also I've created an ensign who works for security, and she's recording her video log responses to the events that are going on in the series, and kind of commenting on how they're sort of strange and how Captain Kirk doesn't behave in the most appropriate ways. And we have a lot of guest stars from the episode, so if you're watching on Netflix, we actually ape the same order that they're on. So if you watch, um, say, The Man Trap, and then you come and watch our version, we have the salt monster featured prominently in that episode. <laughs> nice. And a lot of the crew, the Enterprise crew that you know shows up, but most of them, except Lieutenant Uhura, I think, um, you don't get to see their face. So we have, like, Dr. McCoy and Kirk and Spock, but they're all kind of chopped off at the neck. So that's, yeah, ten episodes following the order of the original series, and they're my video logs in response to what's happening in the show. So, so why Star Trek? Because Star Trek's amazing. All right, um, that's, that's a good reply, good reply. Because uh, when I was 12 years old is when I started watching it, because on Spike TV, they would run the original series TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager all in order. And it's always a world that I've been really enraptured with and I've really, really loved. And I love the original series and what it did with, with no money and for storytelling on the screen. And because we also have no budget, we shot the whole thing for under $500. Uh, The original series in particular really lent itself to what we could do with the restraints of our budget while still presenting a really, really amazing world with a lot of deep mythology that can still be mine today. 
which I think is pretty obvious by the fact that they're, you know, making big budget movies out of the same kind of concept. You know, and we've, we've had the opportunity of, of catching a bit of a screening of the first episode, and without giving away any of the plot, uh, it's, it's re- you do a really good job at, at telling the story of the episode in a fun and exciting way, and uh, it's very oh, entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, the first episode is the, the most kind of exposition. They get a little crazier as the season goes along, like... There's an episode, the fourth episode is called The Naked Time, and we take some heavy suggestions from the title, while at the same time, it's still very much a PG-13 show, like anyone can watch it, and you know, no one's going to get scarred for life, there's no sailorly language on it, so thanks. <laughs> now, I noticed that these are going to be bottle episodes, they're taken from your quarters, I'm guessing, right? They are, yeah. Is there any chance someday when you do have more funding, will you branch out and do other other episodes that are outside maybe different parts of the ship or are you mainly sticking to your quarters there is a plan if we go to season two which we're really really hoping that we're able to we've got kind of plans for funding that down the line um i'm actually i live in los angeles and our entire crew is in los angeles and there is a hope that we will get an away mission because we're pretty close to a lot of the shooting locations from the original series vasquez Mm. rocks Right? Yeah, kind of area, yeah. In, in particular. So there might be, uh, if we're lucky enough to get a season two down the line, there might be an away mission recorded from a tricorder. Nice. So that's now, the that's the plan. <laughs> now, Absolutely. how long... Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, go ahead, Cookie. Oh, uh, how long will the episodes be generally? Uh, most of the episodes are about three minutes long. They're very short um, because YouTube is a medium for short vignettes. And that's what we're trying to present. There is, um, there's a teaser before the credits and there's a stinger after, but I think our longest episode is just shy of four minutes. So they're pretty short. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It is. It really is perfect. It's a nice little, um, like a dessert, right? You just want to, you just want to enjoy it very quickly and, and it's, it's fun. It's not long or drawn out. And, and from what I saw, you guys don't necessarily take it so seriously that oh, okay, this is for real track. No, we, but that's what there's but no, that's what there's makes no high it, drama. Yeah, <laughs> and, but and but that's what makes it exciting, and that's what uh, really drew me uh, to the website and to find out more about the Retro Diaries. So, all right, all right, prove your track creds. Come on. Oh what's, God. Uh, what's your favorite? Give us your favorite episode of the original series or of Star Trek at all. Go ahead. Give 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 us whatever your answer might be. Oh, um. My favorite uh, episode of the original series is probably, I like sitting on the edge of forever a lot, but I think everybody says that, so just to be unique, um, I'm gonna say The Enemy Within, because I really like Evil Kirk running around the ship going, I'm Captain Kirk, like that's, and we show a lot of that in our episode. I like seeing the duality, you know, the duality of man as they're presenting it. But my favorite episode of Star Trek ever is probably, and I'm going to mess up the name of it because I haven't watched it recently, uh, Far Beyond the Stars, the DS9 episode where Cisco is flashing back or having the dream to the 1950s and you see all the characters playing human analogs on Earth. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I remember that. You got it right. It is Far Beyond the Stars. Yes. I'm not as newbie Season as six. I thought I was going to come across. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, I'm actually rewatching Deep Space Nine right now, but I'm only about four episodes into the first season. Because uh, when I when I originally watched it as a young child, that was my favorite series. So it's got to be a Cisco episode. So is Cis- who's your favorite captain? Who's your favorite captain? My favorite captain is Cisco. yeah. But okay. um, 
he's a builder and he reminds me a lot of my own dad which i think is why i've got a lot of affection for him but i think arguably archer might be one of the best captains uh, okay love, so I arguably why 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 let's let's start that he, argument come on Okay. <laughs> he loves to argue. We could argue. I'm all for that. Um, I think that you've, you've got to, I mean, when you examine the different Star Trek series, you have to, of course, take into account, like, where they're setting and what history they have, like, a lot, like, when you're talking about the different doctors and Doctor Who, because there's so much context about what makes them a great leader. But what I really admire about Archer is that, is his growth through the series, and I think him more than some of the other captains, he's a great mixture between being that explorer leader really just innocent fascination with the galaxy but also in certain situations sometimes you need to fire first and I think that you know Kirk's like that all the time and Picard is very much the statesman and I think that Archer's the best happy medium that we've gotten so far and I think that that's one of the reasons why sending Enterprise before the events of the original series was so brilliant because it really lets those characteristics really shine and come to the forefront. But I think in a battle royale, it would come down to him and Kirk and it would depend on who could punch the other one in the head first. <laughs> so I, just to I, get a little, little violent. I yield to your argument. That's a really good argument. Yeah, I, it is. I, who would, who would you that. have said? Now I'm curious. No, you see, I, my, I, Picard is near and dear to my heart. But then again, mm-hmm. actually... But then again, I, I, it's really no captain for me. It's all about Riker. <laughs> oh, man, it's the beard and the way he cowboy sits on all of his chairs. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what about you, Cookie? Who would you say is your favorite captain or the best captain? I love Picard. He's my favorite. I mean, he's so sexy. Oh, and but right, he has other qualities, accent. too. He, he has other qualities, too. But um, he, I just love the way that he commands his ship and... I love his crew, and I love his dedication to his ship and his crew, and I mean, all the stuff that you said about Archer was awesome too, though. I mean, I'm kind of... It's hard to pick a favorite, but TNG is my favorite, and Data is a big part of that as well, but I love all He's the crew. great in the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brent Spiner comes back and, like, guest stars in it. It's really cool. Yeah. That's right. He's, uh... He starts the uh, eugenics wars, right? I forget that. Yeah, he's yeah. like Dr. Soong or... Dr. Soong himself. Yes, yeah. Dr. Soong, Union of course. Soong. Yeah. Something vaguely Asian-sounding, even though he's a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your previous work. Uh, for instance, you've done several episodes on the uh, Jawan YouTube channel, correct? I have. Uh, yeah, I'm in, speaking of an earlier conversation, um, I'm in his um, History of Doctor Who video, and I play Susan, who's the first Doctor's companion, and Perry, who's the fifth doctor's companion and he actually elbowed me in the face which is kind of true to form in the final take the one that's on youtube and then i was clara in that and that was a one take music video that we did um i'm in la to be an actor and a writer and if you watch um the travel channel i was in hotel secrets and legends as a beatles fangirl which was really fun i got a lot of FaceTime. a lot of people got cut out of that episode and uh, I'm in an upcoming independent feature film that we wrapped in April called Asmodeus. I play a character named Jane, and I'm the first one who dies. So, yeah, it's that kind of movie. Okay. And um, I also I write for Majorspoilers.com. I do comic reviews for them. And in May, I published my first comic book. I was one of the runners-up for the Top Cow Talent Hunt. So I've got a backup story in the anniversary issue 175. Um, and I'm Canadian, which seems to be important these days. 
That's the thing to be right now. You you mentioned also earlier that you have a podcast. You're a part of your own podcast, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, Me and Jason Inman, who is the man behind the channel, Jawan, who's hosting us and who directed and wrote and is doing all the editing stuff on Redshirt Diaries, we co-host a podcast called Geek History Lesson. And we take a character from pop culture and we tell you in usually just under an hour all the most important things you need to know so that you can go to a cocktail and be like, hey, man, I know all this stuff about Tim Drake Robin. Do you know that? <laughs> oh, that's super cool. I like that. I really like that. Oh, thanks. And how can people uh, yeah. find how can people find that podcast? They can find that on we're on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, you just go there and search Geek History Lesson. We're in the Majors Boys podcast feed. And we're also on Facebook.com slash Geek History Lesson and GeekHistoryLesson.tumblr.com. And we answer all of the comments. So we had a lot of interesting emails. Now, do you have a website or a central hub where all your stalkers, I mean, all your fans can find out all this stuff that you just talked about? Links? Um, I have I have a Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm at Ashley V. Robinson. I'm, tw- I'm hopeless with um, technical things, including but not limited to internet program like if you told me to build a website, I couldn't do it. So, yeah, I'm on Twitter, uh, and I have a Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com slash Ash Victoria Robinson, I think, because I didn't want to shell out for a website, so I have a Facebook page. <laughs> but all of the all of the Redshirt stuff will be there, but it's also hosted on uh, theredshirtdiaries.com. The, that's important. Now, so you're looking for the first season, 10 episodes, right? Yeah, 10 episodes. And, and is that going to be one episode per week? How, how will you be distributing that? What's the schedule like? Yeah, they're going to be out every Monday. Um, I don't That's know exactly same as what, us. what time. Yeah, we're stealing your model. Matching. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for 10 weeks, starting September 1st. That is when we go live. There's uh, a teaser trailer is up right now, and yesterday, I believe, we launched a Captain Kirk exclusive clip, so you get to see one of his first appearances in the series. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And so if if, if, uh, if you can do a season two, will season two also be a 10-part series kind of thing, or would you like to expand that further? If we get to do a season two of Redshirt Diaries, we want to finish out all the episodes in the first season of the original series, uh-huh. which I know is a little bit convoluted thought process to follow. Um, so I think that would bring us up to 12 or 14 episodes, so a little bit longer and a little bit, hopefully a little bit higher production value, like a standing set. That would be really cool. <laughs> well, your set, your, your video quality and your set are really good, I thought. I thought we it, built the set. Really I built the set with my bare hands. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> process. Yeah, it looks yeah, really, it's, really um, good. A lot, of the, a lot of the lighting helps the set look really good. <laughs> so what Thanks. what hurdles what hurdles are you facing in developing a project like this? I can't pay anyone to edit it. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing. Um, it's been in the can since April, and since it's me and Jason Inman trying to do a lot of this ourselves, um, the funding thing is a big a big issue. It's like, well, I can't pay you to edit this, so if you get something to edit that's for money, you should you know you should obviously take that instead. Um, time, because most of the actors who feature in it are actors you know out in LA and trying to juggle everyone's schedule. We shot all the episodes in two days because that was the easiest way to just be like, cool, come and sit in my you know home for ten hours and we'll knock this out and it'll be all be good. And we also filed through SAG to make it uh, SAG After Official, and that was 
it's not difficult, but it's very tedious. And with new media, it's only two people who run that division. So it's trying to get people to, um, you know, answer you, right. I'd say, would be the biggest problem. The easiest part was the shooting itself because everyone was really on it. It was super, super fun. You know, the material is very light, so it's not like you're up there sobbing all day. Although there is an episode where I'm sobbing at the end, so look forward to that. <laughs> um, but, the you know, the material itself... Um, was so much fun and really lent, you know, the episodes in the original series really lend themselves to parody very, very easily, which I think is a strength of the original series. And one of the reasons why it's endured is because it's so funny and entertaining. Um, yeah. And then this part where we're going around talking about it and trying to distribute it is not necessarily challenging, but it's time consuming. But it's right, all good absolutely. stuff. Like, it to be like, oh, hey, I did this awesome thing. Let me talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it is awesome. You know, like I said, we've had the opportunity of, of uh, viewing that first episode, and it was very fun. It was just uh, – I laughed. I laughed really hard, and it was mm -hmm, me just too. So, so creative <laughs> and so Aww. ingenious. So, wait, you got, you've, you've got a great project on your hands, and uh, uh, we hope it'll just skyrocket. Thank you. And then you can say that you were the first. Yeah. <laughs> people have talked to. Cool, cool. Very exciting. Yeah. So that's right, Captains. You heard it here first on Priority One Podcast. But uh, So is there anything that we haven't touched on that you, you kind of want to make sure you get out to the audience, uh, either about Redshirt Di Diaries or about any other projects you might be working on? Um, I just think that the most important thing, which I think I said, is that um, you don't have to be a, a hardcore Trek fan to watch it and enjoy it. But if you have seen the original series, and especially if you're watching them along with us on Netflix, You'll get a lot of the in-jokes and Easter eggs. Every character, with the exception of, I think, three um, that you see are featured in the episode. Any of the monsters or the obstacles that we come up against are featured in the actual episode. So that was something that we really tried to focus on, so that it would be accessible to people who just kind of have a passing knowledge, or even if they're only familiar with the Abrams films. But if you're more into that hardcore nerd stuff, like we are, then you'll really get where some of the jokes and some of the tropes that we're making fun of are coming from. So, so let me I think actually, that's it. Well, actually, you, you brought up the whole uh, JJ thing. You know, one one question yeah. that I like to ask a lot is, well, not not just well, did you like the JJ films? But that's because that's a whole other topic for a whole other episode. But um, <laughs> do you think that JJ's injected new life into the franchise? I think he has in a really important way because we haven't had a Trek show. I don't know when Enterprise ended exactly, but I'm going to go like 10 years, 8 years or so. I want to say like 2005 maybe? I don't know. It's been a bomb. And so just, just about 10 years. And I think unless, and I think they should do this, unless they take a Trek show and put it on a Netflix or an Amazon Prime, which I think would be a really, really great medium to present it you know, to a new audience, mm -hmm. I think what um, Abrams has done with the films, whether you have problems with them or not, and they're certainly not perfect, um, I think that keeping it in the forefront and making it more accessible to new audiences where you're not like, wow, now I have to go back through so many years of lore to try and understand this. I think that I'm glad it happened. I think it's important to the um, pop culture zeitgeist that it happened. But I think that Star Trek is and the characters are inherently serialized characters. And I don't really know beyond this third movie that's planned how much further it's going to live in a large scale cinematic universe. Very diplomatic and well spoken. I that, that was that was perfectly said. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Let me. You know, actually, you mentioned also about the comics. Uh, have you been reviewing any of the IDW comics for Star Trek, like the recent? I ones? have read a few of the Star Trek and Doctor Who crossovers because I actually used to work at the shop where one of their writers 
owned, Scott oh. Tipton. So I read a few of those, and uh, the last series that I read was the pre uh, Abrams, pre Star Trek Into Darkness one, the one that featured like Muds, Mud Ship, and all that. There were a lot of oh, callbacks. Yeah. Those yeah. were the last ones I read. I haven't read any for quite a while though. Did you read Countdown for before the first one? Yes, I did. Okay. What did you think of those? What were your? I thought they were cute. Yeah. Um, I thought they were fun, but I think, and I think that if you know, if you read them, then again, there were like little Easter eggs, which were really cool to see along the way. I think Trek is hard in a comics medium, though, because I think that sometimes the intention is to play on a space opera scale, and then it gets a little tropey for me. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't been able to read any of the new ones yet, so I can't really comment too much about it, but I was just curious since uh, you do the comics review and stuff. So, uh, Who's your favorite comic superhero? Robin. Tim Drake okay. as Robin. Okay, cool. Specifically. <laughs> you got to think uh, for Tim Drake. <laughs> yeah, man. Tim Drake was hot. <laughs> and he was smart. I don't see how there's a problem there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not... But yeah, that's well, a whole... I talk a lot about that. Well, Ashley, we want to thank you for stopping by Priority One Podcast and, and sharing your excitement for Trek and your excitement for the project, which we are t really looking forward to seeing uh, flourish and, and just take off come September 1st. So, Captains, again, that's uh, September 1st, Monday, correct? Every so Monday. Monday. Yep. Every Monday starting September 1st at theredshirtdiaries.com. Uh, be sure not to miss it. Is it uh, so you, people will be able to subscribe via RSS feed, via iTunes for the download? Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool, cool, exciting. And again, Ashley, is there anything that we might have missed that you want to talk about? Or uh, any, we want to remind our listeners again, just all the important websites? Uh, you can find Retro Diaries, just to reiterate, on theretrodiaries.com or youtube.com slash Jawin. It's hosted both places. You can find me on Geek History Lesson at geekhistorylesson.tumblr.com or on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you're interested in my opinions on things that I write, you can find me on Majorspoilers.com in the reviews section. Awesome. Ashley, thank you so very much for stopping by here on Priority One Podcast, and we look forward to having you on again for uh, Season 2, maybe. Yeah, man, definitely. I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts. All right, cadets, assemble for review. It's time for another session of Command School. This week is the start of something new for Command School. Going forward, Cookie and I will be sharing the spotlight, with each of us covering gameplay topics relevant to players from raw recruits to grizzled beta veterans. With that, I turn you over to Commander Cookie Cupcakes. The Crystalline Entity event is back. This entity has been responsible for thousands of deaths throughout the galaxy, including mine several times in-game, and it needs to be stopped, one shard at a time. For those of you who are not familiar with this mission, let me briefly explain the basics. Crystalline Cataclysm is a 10-player event for max-level characters of all factions. There's a short explanation when you first enter the mission, but you basically have one job, to destroy the entity. There are other enemies to deal with as well. The Tholians will also try to take you out. At the start, they will be between you and the Entity, so I generally try to get rid of them first, but some people ignore them and go straight for the Entity. These Tholian ships will reappear throughout the mission, so watch for them, because if they gang up on you, it can be difficult to survive. In addition to that, during this special event, you will see even more obstacles. For example, mirror universe rifts, spawning enemy ships, gravity wells, or subspace ruptures. You also have to watch out for the large and small fragments. If a large fragment reaches your ship, 
It will then turn into smaller fragments. Those fragments will travel back to the entity and recrystallize, which will increase the damage output of the entity. There are some specific abilities listed that are effective against these fragments, such as Tachyon Beam, Charged Particle Burst, Energy Siphon, and Tychon's Rift, which oddly enough, most of these abilities are not effective against the entity itself, just only the fragments. So now let's focus on the crystalline entity, the main target. There are certain types of damage that are more effective than others. For example, kinetic damage is more effective than energy weapons. It does not have shields or subsystems, so abilities that target those things have no effect, along with the special procs on phasers, tetrions, and polarons. So just to clarify, those weapon types will still do damage to the entity, but the bonus effects associated with them will not. The entity will fire back at you with a matter conversion beam, which is very powerful and could knock out an entire section of your shields in one burst, depending on your shields, of course. As you are damaging the entity, take notice of its health. When it reaches 66% and then 33%, it will recharge. During this time, any weapons fire it absorbs will then be expelled right back at you in the form of an energy shockwave. So don't fire at it during this time because you'll only make that shockwave more powerful. To avoid the effects of this shockwave, you either need to get further than 10 kilometers away from it, or get right up in its business, closer than one kilometer. After these recharge times is likely when more enemies will respawn, so watch your back. Once the crystalline entity is destroyed, the mission is over and you will be rewarded with some nice items in your choice of either fleet marks or Nukara marks. You can also get first, second, or third place, although I'm not entirely sure of what determines these rankings. I've heard theories, but it's hard to tell because I've seen multiple people get the same placement. So I think re regarding the first, second, and third place, what I've been able to determine based on combat tracking is it seems to award a first, second, and third place for both damage, uh, and, and it calculates damage based on not only damage that you do to the crystal, but also damage that you do to the shards that are spewed out, as well as the enemies that may spawn. So all of that counts. If you're shooting at something, that's going to count, and you will have a chance to place. But there's a second, this is the first, second, and third place that I've seen go out for healing. So if you're constantly healing somebody, and you rank as the number one healer uh, on that map, you'll get a first place uh, trophy as well. I've never been aware that multiple people got the same rank, but I didn't really pay attention. Here's where it gets really strange, because I have been on TeamSpeak with groups where more than two people have placed the same place. So I've, I've been in a group where three people got third place. I don't know if that's a glitch or if somebody happened to tie, which seems very unlikely when you're talking about damage numbers. But, uh, yeah, I, I've seen it where more than two people get uh, ranked. So it's possible there's another first, second, and third place for teams. If you go in with two groups, maybe it doesn't separate out the teams correctly. I, I just don't know. But there's at least two sets. So yeah, if you're if you're a science officer and you're not putting out a lot of damage, try try throwing a bunch of heals on other people through the entire match, and you have a chance to unlock that trophy. If you get first place one time, you unlock a trophy for your bridge. Well, that makes sense, Cookie, because you said you've gotten it from healing, like you get it regularly. Yeah, yeah. So this event can be found in your PVEQ under Crystalline Cataclysm. Uh, this one is Crystalline Cataclysm. The normal one is Crystalline Catastrophe. They are two separate events. Oh, so it's different in the queue. Yeah, it is different in the queue. And the reason, well, the Catastrophe, the normal one may not be available right now. Let me go in game and check. Real okay, quick. so they, they swap it out, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. At the, at, the, okay. at the minimum, they added it, but I think they actually make it the only one that's available. 
Yeah, otherwise people would do the wrong yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. The other reason it's different is there's different things that happen. So those random enemies or random challenge that comes up, that only happens in Cataclysm. It should be at the top of the list since it is featured. It doesn't matter if you choose regular or elite, they both give you a shard if you successfully complete it. You can get a shard every 20 hours and after collecting 14 of them to complete your event reputation project, you get all the delicious rewards. 50,000 dilithium ore, 500 fleet marks, 250 marks of your choice, and a very rare emergency con hologram duty officer. This three week long event will last until September 11th, 2014. Also, if you have any extra shards left over once you complete the project, you can trade them in with a unlocked project for 2,000 dilithium, 50 fleet marks, and 35 marks of your choice per shard. Plus, September 4th through the 8th weekend is a bonus marks weekend, which is, of course, still during this event. So right around the time when a lot of you may be able to finish the crystals, if you do it daily, complete it that weekend, and bam, mega marks. All right, Captains, that's it for Command School this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, Captains, welcome to Feedback. This is the segment where we tune in to what you have to say and maybe even talk back. So last week's community question was, do STO forum members act more entitled than they should? Do you stray away from the forums? Are members there elitist? On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Daffid68 writes, I can honestly say I rarely go onto the STO forums unless there's something I'm specifically looking for information-wise. I certainly would never post an opinion on the forum. It seems that there are too many people who enjoy arguing for argument's sake, which is their right, of course, and I always feel I am here to enjoy a game, not get wound up by people insulting others. Probably close to my take on it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I learned a lot from the forums. I especially spent time on the Shipyards forum and some of the Federation character forums. But I try not to get into debates on the forum because it's, like I said last week, it's just a, a system and it's natural to all forums. It's not really a value judgment about the STO forums. All forums are like this, where whatever's the most controversial is going to rise to the top because that's what people post on the most and every post bumps it back to the top. So if someone has a, an opinion that is generally agreed with, you're not going to have 10 pages of, yeah, me too, unless it's a petition thread, which we're not supposed to do. So it's just a natural side effect, in my opinion. Uh, we hear from Canis Black uh, via PriorityOnePodcast.com. The Stowe forums almost drove me from the game shortly after I discovered them. Thankfully, I'd invested some money at the time and was determined to at least get a couple weeks more use out of that money. So I stuck it out. I've ended up not regretting sticking around. But when the forums are bad enough to drive new players from the game, then there's a problem. Yeah. That is a big problem. I'd have to agree with that. It's, it's very intimidating. I like to think, because when I was a new player to Stowe, I never went in the forums. The forums is kind of one of those things that you don't really jump into when you're a new player in a game. I don't know. I, I haven't played a lot of MMOs. Do you guys feel that that's true of most games? Like, if, if you hopped over to a new MMO tomorrow, would you go to the forums right away, or would you just start playing the game and dive into the forums as you become more of a veteran player? Mm. I do go to the forums when I start a new game, but I definitely take them with a grain of salt just from my past experiences. Um, also, like I've mentioned before, I play Marvel Heroes, and being that that's more of the ARPG genre, 
the wikis and web resources for it aren't as elaborate. So the forums really are the best resource. It's just there's, you know, always that signal to noise ratio. This is my first MMO. So I didn't know that forums existed when I first started. So um, I didn't go to them until a lot later, even later than I started listening to the podcast. So I don't know what I would have done if I would have looked at the forums first off. I don't know. The fact that it has that effect on people, that it could possibly drive away people from playing the game, I mean, that's not good. When I'm a new player in any game, the forums is just not on the top of my mind. I tend to dive in the game. It's when I start encountering problems and are looking for the answers to specific problems or technical issues that I start to you know, scour out the forums. But I just don't go there to socialize or to catch up on what other people are, are talking about. I'm usually in the forums to seek out a specific answer. Yeah, I'm the same way. And we don't know what happened with this person that commented. Maybe something really bad happened. I don't know, but it is a problem, I think. Keeney1975 commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, I think the questionnaire you're doing is a great idea, and I'll be filling it out in a bit. As for the forums, it's like the scary lower decks of the old Earth space dock. I used to go into the forums with new ideas or just to express my love for the game, but got brutally shot down every time, so now I just don't bother. Yes, those, um, the basement of the old ESD was kind of creepy. Near and dear to your heart. <laughs> but I had some good times. <laughs> Woody Valley wrote in via the PriorityOnePodcast.com website. With the forums, I wouldn't go by the word entitled. Rather, I'm more looking at what's in it for me. As for elitist, you're always going to have that sort of group in the MMO world, creating a sense of being on top. I see it in all aspects of STO, too, even in the foundry. It's the sort of thing that makes money for the developer. We also hear from Marques, who posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thankfully, my fleet has its own active forum where we can discuss and argue in a constructive way. The trolling and hate for hate's sake that's all too often a given with public forums, is just a waste of my time. I really feel for the Stowe devs because the open hostility is often misguided or just plain wrong. Thanks to P1 for the STLV coverage. For us Europeans, it's a great way to get first-hand experience. Well, you guys have Destination Star Trek London coming up. Yeah, we want to hear your reports. Actually, I, I don't know when it is. But yeah, you've got Destination Star Trek London, and most likely you'll have Patrick Stewart. We unfortunately didn't have Patrick Stewart at STLV, but we were happy to bring that coverage to you. And regarding the forums and the devs, I, I feel for them too. I think uh, I always like to remind people that do post in the forums, please remember that there are real people with feelings that are making this game. When you post hateful things, it, it's not constructive, it doesn't help, and it just makes somebody feel horrible. And, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to meet a lot of the devs at STLV, and they're really good people. They're, they're not out there trying to screw anybody. They're just as passionate about Star Trek as the fans are. So try to remember that they're doing the best they can. And with any new release, regardless of whether you like it or not, they worked hard on it. They spent a lot of time on it. Very much so. And, I mean, there, there are bugs that slip through. I mean, they, they are people, and there are going to be mistakes that happen, and, you know, there's going to be bugs that slip through. But if you post a problem, try not to be so angry about it. Try to give them a constructive, concise way to fix it or a way to correct the problem or, or a better method of handling whatever, you know, the system might be that you're not pleased with. Yeah. Ultimately, you're much more likely to get the result you want that way because too much of that stuff 
gets tuned out. If you get bombarded with negativity, you're going to start tuning it out. C.I. Devant commented on reddit.com, At what point does someone actually become entitled to the goods or service of an MMO? After they've spent $60 when the game was released? After a year's worth of gold membership? After buying a lifetime membership? Maybe 10,000 zen? What about 2,632 hours of gameplay? Here's the thing. Most products you buy, and it doesn't live up to expectations, you can usually return anywhere that has semi-decent customer service. Most big purchase items have warranties. An MMO doesn't grant you that safety net. Your only recourse is to take to the forums. A video game is a luxury commodity. When it doesn't live up to the expectation of a superior good, people rightfully get upset. I won't argue with that. I will say that the analogy to uh, a refund is tough because the terms of service are pretty clear that MMOs change all the time. I think that what the devs have is a they have a trust to ensure that whatever you bought is of a commensurate value and stays that way within reason. And I think the reason why this gets into such a subjective debate is people have different interpretations of when that trust is upheld versus when that trust is broken. And I understand that. I mean, people have strong feelings about the franchise, the fact that they spent money, the specific ship that they like, that they identify with, their character. It's logical. I, I think it's reasonable that people get upset. It's just a matter of making a productive conversation. Because you can express that you're upset or angry or freaking out or whatever without the level of vitriol that some of these things degenerate into. Sean Newboy writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com, Love the episode, everyone. All game forums are filled with trolls and the entitled. It's just the way of the modern internet. Even outside games, this is the way of things. I still wade in all the way just about every day into the STO forums. Sean Newboy, you're a trooper. On Reddit.com, just some guy or gal writes... I've played several MMOs over the years and read a lot of web forums. Stowe is no worse and much better than some. Sure, there are some bad apples that are whiny, entitled twits. <laughs> but that's what happens when... <laughs> well said. <laughs> but that's what happens when you get a large segment of humanity with anonymity. Yep, exactly. Hence what you were saying about humanizing the person on the other end of the computer. GoFaster1 commented on reddit.com, I don't know how many times I've came across posts that instead of coming up with suggestions for the game, it's outright demands for X or Y to be put into the game or the game will die out and we'll never open up our wallets ever again. This gets even worse when someone brandishes their purchase of something like a lifetime subscription or the legacy pack as reasons as why Cryptic should listen to them right this very minute. Adam Lejeune posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Jace perfectly verbalized my fondness for my fleet ships. He's a sorcerer, that one. He reads the thoughts in my brain. As for the forums lately, Lockbox Grand Prize ship owners seem to feel entitled to a free Tier 6 upgrade simply because they wasted copious amounts of money on them. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised to see the free upgrade for the Jem'Hadar. I thought there would at least be an upgrade process uh, like with the fleet ships, but I'll take it. For me, it's not an expectation. I know Cookie, you fly a lockbox ship also. You may get an upgrade similarly. I mean, I also fly my fleet Galaxy X, and if it's like another fleet ship module or some other similar type of system, I'm fine with that too. I, I want to be able to fly the ships I want. You know, I would have to buy a tier six ship, so 
upgrading a ship is no problem. It's usually less expensive to upgrade than to buy a new ship outright. We hear from Berthulf via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Hi, guys. I haven't said it yet, but I'm loving the new sound. I completely agree with Elijah about the new Tier 6 vessels. I personally think it is the cell phone reference in its entirety. New hotness versus old and busted. I also think that Jace is right about there being an upgrade mechanic. I'm just intrigued as to what Cryptic will do. Me too. I can't wait to see what they have planned. I just can't think they're going to leave all the Tier 5 ships in the dust. And the reason I say that, it's been announced that there will be we'll say at least 10 tier 6 ships. I think they said 7 or possibly 10. Oh, okay. So 7 to 10-ish ships at Expansion 2 launch. And that's just not enough for everybody's options. I mean, when they launched Legacy of Romulus and they had like 5 ships at tier 5, it was barely enough. There was like one for each class and you know a couple of extras. It was barely enough to get by. It was enough to appease everybody, but it, there weren't a lot of choices. If you now take the dozens of ships we have at tier 5 and make them completely obsolete and non-upgradable, that would just be ridiculous. I, I just don't think they're going to do it. I, I think they're going to have an upgrade mechanic. We just have to wait to see what it's going to be. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued too, and I, I hope it's cool and easy and not too very expensive. But they, they could easily, I mean, Jason and I have talked about how they could make it like a fleet ship upgrade module kind of thing. Something comparable. And uh, Smirk did drop a note on the forums this week saying that the Tier 6 and Mark 14 gear dev blog is coming very soon. I'm guessing they're just locking in some details about those system mechanics before they post it live. We also asked our Facebook community about their thoughts on the new skill tree to be introduced to Star Trek Online. DJ David wrote, I like the idea of specialization on top of the standard skill tree. The current skill tree offers some specialization, such as fabrication engineer or combat engineer, but it'll be nice to have some more diversity options for players. MMOs such as World of Warcraft or Lord of the Rings Online have endgame specialization in the forms of Masterclass, etc., which has been good for player diversity and customization. We hear from Michael Scarn on Facebook. If there were ever a time for them to revamp the entire skill system and tree, now would be a good time. Does not seem like a good idea to me to keep polishing the same turd over and over again. Sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> I have to agree to some extent. Like, So we know that they're going to be using some sort of different mechanic slash system slash specialization thing for levels 50 to 60. My personal feeling is that they should, the now is the time to go through and revamp 1 to 50 skill system as well. You know, if you're building a skyscraper or if you're remodeling a skyscraper, you don't remodel the top floor first. You go down and you, you fix all the rest of it first. So I, I don't know. Maybe they'll surprise us and it'll be in there. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'll be curious. I do know that the new system is pretty radically different because instead of spending skill points directly at different rates, you're, you're getting a point at every level that you're putting into the new tree and it's infinitely expandable. So a lot's still up in the air. Is it possible to fill them all out or you will never get any more once you hit 60? No, you absolutely will continue to get them indefinitely and you can eventually fill the whole thing up. But That's so, cool. from my experience in other games, when they add this kind of system, they may add additional stuff to the trees in the future as a continued alternate advancement without having to raise the level cap again. So it's kind of like... More rep systems. More rep rewards, rather. The reason that they changed the rep trait system is so that it wouldn't turn into this. 
this is their idea of an alternate advancement, long-term advancement type of system, whereas the trade system wasn't intended to be that way and would have turned into that like constantly stacking more abilities. Presumably what we get from this will be balanced from the get-go with the intention of being infinitely expandable. Uh, that's the concept anyway. I like it. Based on how I felt when I reached the level 50 and then I realized that I couldn't add any more, it was a terrible feeling. And so if this is the case, if this is going to be the way it is, I'm totally for it. I expect it'll take a long time to fill these new ones up. I know. You don't have the defeat. You don't have the, what? Powerless feeling <laughs> when you realize, you know, that you have no more control over anything. I have to admit, I had a similar feeling in that I disliked that I <laughs> couldn't slot all my points in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael Wetgen comments, To be honest, I don't think there's a lot wrong with the current skills tree. Granted, it needs an overhaul. It would be nice to see the effect it has on a character more. And it's about time there was more flexibility on the ground skills to match space. But it's solid. I agree there are issues with the science tree, though. And the game doesn't teach you anything about them either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's one of the things Al was saying as to why they wanted to revamp it. Because it wasn't... I mean, they improved those tooltips, what, like a year or a year and a half ago? So that you could see what affects what. But it's still very confusing to a new player. For a new player, it tells you, you know, this skill affects your blah, 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 blah. But you don't know what the blah, blah, blah is right. anyway. So it doesn't help you. <laughs> it's just... it. None of it... None of it was clear to me because I didn't know what the um, end result was anyway, so. On a more radical note, Timothy Champion wrote in saying the whole skill system, including captain skills, bridge officer skills, and the trade system, needs to be scrapped completely. We hear from Joe Doe, who says, It would be nice if it was encompassed in the current system. That way we would not have to learn another game system. We could write a lengthy manual on how to get through the, all the current crap grind systems. Now, there is a point. This happens in every single MMO. There's a point where they've expanded and patched on so many new systems that it just becomes utterly overwhelming to anybody. Not, not even not just new players, but returning players. Players that have left for a year and decided to come back and are completely overwhelmed by everything. And I have to agree. And th There's something to be said for going back and you know, gutting systems and, and rebuilding them from the ground up. But yeah, I think Stowe is getting to that point. There's just so many different things. Rep systems, now a crafting system, now a new skill, specialty skill system. It's just, there, there's a lot. Captains, if you don't already follow us on Facebook, make sure to check us out. We are going to have discussions like this throughout each week. So now we're going to open up that question to all of you. What are your thoughts on the new skill tree to be introduced to Star Trek Online? We also wanted to give a shout out to the Grand Nagus. He's sponsoring a foundry contest. The premise? You are captured by the Tal Shiar. They attempt to brainwash and recruit you. After much resistance, you finally escape. But what if what you knew as a reality was a lie? What if their brainwashing actually worked? This is the premise of the Secret Agents Foundry Contest. Your challenge is to create a story through the eyes of a Tal Shear secret agent in the Romulan Republic. The winner will be awarded a vintage 1997 Playmates Romulan Bird of Prey. The link to this contest will be in our show notes. That's a pretty sweet Bird of Prey. They're uh, getting harder to find. I think I saw one at the con. Those old Playmates ships are getting expensive. Very cool, Grand Nagus. Good luck to the contestants. 
Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One or shoot an email to incoming at priority one podcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 187 of Priority One Podcast. Captains, we have a major announcement. Next week, August 28th, will be our last broadcast via trekradio.net. So be sure to tune in to our last live broadcast on August 28th around 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. But don't worry, Captains. You'll still be able to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com or by visiting priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section of our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. Remember, this week's question is, now that it's possible to level up to 60th on Tribble, who's checked it out? And what are your thoughts about the new level cap and the new skill tree? Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com slash priority one podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO priority one. You can even join the priority one podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions at Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Are you a Klingon warrior? Well, now you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Join today! A special thanks to Ashley Robinson of Red Shirt Diaries, coming soon to YouTube in September, for coming on the show. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Skiffy, audio assistant, Ben Churchill, and QA support staffer, Midnight Shadow Seven. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry, a.k.a. Romulan Ale, and to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the STO community, our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
This is. Oh, I fired too early. Oh, come on. I'm kidding. It's fine. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> this is fine. It's fine. Go ahead. This is Cookie STO News Sing 3. <laughs> that was Skippy. That was not me. Cookie, did had, was there something else that you had wanted to say? Hmm. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> there was. I, there's nothing. Okay. No, that's okay. <laughs> oh, so that's what that is. That's weird. On Reddit.com, just some guy orgle. No, <laughs> I almost said oral. Just some guy or gal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just some guy orgle. That's amazing. That's like the time we changed that person's name, remember? <laughs> I'm sorry. Captains. <laughs> we want to thank you. <laughs> that totally blew out my audacity. Oh. That was funny. Over actor. <laughs>